Hi everyone, thanks for listening to the Not The Top 20 pod playoff previews. This is the preview for the League One playoffs and like everyone else we're, we're finding it very hard to pick them but we're very excited, we're, we're very happy to bring you some excellent analysis as well we hope and, and in that case, George, it's probably time to introduce the first of two guests. Yeah, the first guest is a, a player and assistant manager of one of the teams who will be battling it out in the League One playoffs. It's Johnny Jackson of Charlton, a Charlton legend, uh, still club captain, I believe, as well as, uh, as, well as his role um, on the coaching staff. Uh, so we're going to talk to Johnny about you know, what, what their hopes are going into the playoffs. So joined now by Johnny Jackson, player, captain, assistant manager, the whole works, Mr Charlton, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fair to say. Can we, firstly... 499 appearances, not out. You've, you've come on. Yeah. You've come on for, for for the last couple of minutes in the last game of the season. Are we going to get 500 up at, at Wembley? Oh, mate, that would be the dream. That's the that's the plan. That's the dream. But um, obviously, we got to get there first. Uh, George got to get there, and then I think everything's got to be right. It's got to be set up right for for that to happen. So uh, there's a lot of work to do. Obviously, more important things than than me getting the 500 up. Um, but if there, obviously, if there's an opportunity to do it at Wembley, um, then it'd make me a happy man. It'd be the perfect way to, uh, to bow out, really. So, all being well, yes. But, um, like I've said before, if it was 499 and out, but we went but we went up, then then I'd be okay with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be well happy. I mean, talk about... Playing, I, I imagine you've got your hands full at the moment, trying to trying to think about the playoffs. Uh, I don't know how many times you've been involved in the playoffs previously, but what does it entail when you when you're preparing as an assistant manager, different to to as a player? Well, it's, it's a bit of a strange situation for me actually, because believe it or not, I've never ever played in playoffs. So um, in my last year, it's the first time I'm encountering it. So the quick turnaround, playing the same side three days apart, is is a strange one, and obviously. Um, preparing for it as a coach is quite full on because there's not been a lot of time from from the last league game to now. You know, you find out after that game who you're playing, um, and then obviously we're going to have to play them twice, like in, in quick succession. So, and Johnny, how many how many uh, Shrewsbury games have you watched on tape in the last few days? Well, yeah, yeah, I've watched quite I've watched quite a few of theirs. Um, the analyst has been working closely with the analyst. Obviously, he does. To be fair to him, he works tirelessly. He does the bulk of it, and then he provides us, myself, and Lee with, you know, the key info. But obviously, you go away, you do your, you do your own analysis and homework. And obviously, we played them twice, one quite recently. Um, so we know all about them. We know all about them, strengths and weaknesses, as they will do about us, you know. So um, I don't think there'll be any too many surprises come come Thursday and come Sunday, but. I think it'll be Dan who, who handles who handles the occasion better. To be honest, that's what it'll come down to. It'll come down to the players on the pitch. So you can only you can do so much away from it and the coaching and prepare them right. But obviously, you know, come come game game night, it'll be down to those guys. I mean, you talk about the players, but I think that the whole footballing world has been been so impressed by the way that, that yourself and Lee have uh, have you know, not only steadied the ship, but really driven the, the, the club towards the playoffs since, since having to take on the job. I mean, what's it been like for you guys as like a learning curve, as an experience? Yeah, it's sort of like it's been sink or swim, really, in at the deep end. Like, um, for me as a coach, was a, 
you know, as a budding young coach, it's been unbelievable learning curve because it's I've just got gone from not doing loads of coaching and training most of the time to um, sort of not really training and, and coaching every day and helping prepare the team. So from that from that respect, it's been like it's been an unbelievable sort of uh, education, really a fast track, if you like. Um, gone from yeah, gone from doing sort of not much coaching in a week to to loads so um and i always said like i think i think the best the best way to to improve as a coach is to be out there every day doing it so uh, i feel i feel a million times better about it already than i would have done sort of two three months ago so from that respect it's been great for me you're obviously doing something right mate because i think (laughs) third third most points in the league since you joined and not only that, but only five goals conceded in the ten games. So the, you know, maybe may a surprise that that yourself and Lee, midfield players, it uh, turns out you knew everything there was to know about defending already. Yeah, um, it's easy just defending lot. You, you know, <laughs> five five goals conceded in ten games. This is not, you know, new manager bounce or anything like that. This is this is something a bit more serious than that, I think. Yeah, no, I'm I'm particularly pleased with that record. That that makes me quite proud because I do a lot of work with them, with them boys. Uh, at the back, somehow I've become sort of defensive coach. I don't know. I didn't I didn't <laughs> think much about that when I was playing. So I don't know. How that's, how that's quite happened. I must but, say, um, I'd have rather crossed you than Lee if I was a player back in the day. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were both sort of attacking. Mark. We were pretty yeah. much the similar, similar players. I was just a poor man's Lee Bowyer, I think. But, <laughs> uh, we was very uh, attacking minded. But yeah, obviously, you know, we have to uh, we have to drill that into them. But the lads have been brilliant and. I think when you've got someone like Jason Pierce back there who who's got the experience that he has and he's the sort of character he has, he's he makes he makes it easy to coach. So, you know, having that having that type of character there has made it has been invaluable really because he takes everything on board and he, he makes sure that all the other lads are implementing what you're asking and he drags the performance out of them as well. I think he, he brings the standard out, he really is like a top pro and a and a top defender and um, yeah, he's my, he's one of the main reasons. I mean, they've all done great. I don't want to, I don't want to say he's the only one, but I think I think having him there um, is the is the, the foundation for for our solid defensive record so far. So it's interesting. I mean, I'm just having a look now, and uh, and there's an article written from him about four years ago talking about a, a, a playoff defeat in 2011 with Bournemouth. So I mean, he's spoken before about how you know. Some people would think that, that bad experiences and playoffs can be detrimental, but there's there's evidence to show that players and, and, and managers and teams who've struggled in that situation actually bounce back. So, would you look specifically in this situation to, to for, for leaders like that to to, to push their experiences and, and bring the team along? Yeah, you need players like that. I mean, Pearce, he was he um, he's got numerous uh, promotions on his CV, and um, we've got. You know, we've got like the likes. Of, I mean, he's injured Billy Clark, but he he went through the playoffs last year. Obviously, all right, he got beat in the final, but he got through the he got through the two-legged semi. Mark Marshall's played in a lot of playoff games. We've got we, I mean, we've got players that it's new to, but we have got players without experience. But I just think like with the obviously they're high-pressure games. We know that, but I think for the last sort of six, seven weeks, we've had that. We have played everyone in and around us in the playoff spots. We went to Portsmouth away with it being a bit of a shootout, really, for that sixth place at the time. And I thought we handled it much better than they did. Um, 
obviously we beat we beat Plymouth and Rotherham in that in that run. The only ones we we came unstuck against were, were Scunthorpe. So three out three out of four sort of playoff contenders that we faced in big high pressure games we beat. So I'm quite feel quite good about that, and I think that I think that will definitely help the lads knowing that they've they've dealt with like that pressure situation. But obviously the the next two games are going to be even more so, and then if you get through that, obviously that the big one is who handles that occasion the best, definitely. So you got the first, you got the first leg at home, Johnny, and and um, yeah. you know the the general vibe, I suppose, around the valley since you and Lee have been have been in charge and bringing results, and and obviously someone like yourself who's such a, a an icon as a player at the club. Just the fans have obviously not had the, the easiest time over the last uh, few years or so. But what have you what have you felt a bit differently over the last few weeks, and, and how important will they be uh, come come the end of the week? They'll be huge. They'll be huge. We're hoping for a huge turnout. Um, we had a great crowd at the Blackburn game when they knew we needed a sort of probably one more win to get us in, and they they turned up and they got behind us. But it, it's been that way. Since since Lee took over, really, with myself helping him, I think um, I think the fact that he's a Charlton lad, he come through the system, and obviously myself been there for such a long time, and, and well thought of that, it gave them a reason to get behind us. Yeah, they've had you know it's not been a great few years, you know that's that that's obvious, and the fans have had their sort of grievances with the owner and. I think they sort of fell out of love with Carl Robinson a little bit once they realised he sort of had his head turned a bit by Oxford and, and that situation that was brewing. So I think the fact that they had two what they would deem Charlton lads uh, take over changed the whole the whole sort of uh, vibe at the club. Really, it went from from quite negative to completely positive almost overnight. And that first first home game that we had uh, Lee and I was Plymouth at home and the crowd was up and the support was completely different to sort of the complete uh, the the previous home game so straight away uh, the positivity was back and they got behind us and it's been like that the whole way through our tenure so far in the 10 games so they're right behind us they'll do they'll play their part we've we've obviously been playing that up and uh, and telling them how important they are and, and and that will be key, you know. If the valley, when the valley gets rocking, it can really get rocking. It can be an hard place for size to come. So we need the Thursday night, and needs to be that way because it'll be a massive advantage to us if it is. I think we can hear, you know, just how passionate you are, and you talk about you and Lee being Charlton boys. I mean, just if you can try and put into words what it would mean to you after after the couple of years you've had, but you know, the time you've been there to be at Wembley, five hundred appearances under your belt with a promotion to an. <laughs> Yeah, well, it just be it'll be a fairy tale ending to my to my career and to my Charlton story. You know, well, hopefully it's not the end of the Charlton story, but to, but the playing story. You know, um, it's been a bit of a it's cheesy, but it's been a bit of a love affair me and me and Charlton and the rapport I've had with with the supporters. You know, no matter what's been going on at the club, that's always been there. Um, so to finish it off, you know, with them getting their day out at Wembley and hopefully me, who never played there, so me getting the opportunity to to possibly get on the pitch there and to, to get the club back up to the championship where I think it, you know, at least belongs, um, then it would just be like the perfect ending to, to my career and it would it just make me unbelievably happy. To, uh, retire with a with a smile on my face. 
I think that's all, that's all we can hope for. And I think anyone who's not a Shrewsbury, Rotherham or Scunthorpe fan who's, who's listened to this interview, I think will agree that we'll, we'll have our fingers crossed for you and Charlton to go to Wembley uh, and, uh, uh, and get promotion. That would be lovely. I appreciate that. appreciate that. Well, that was fantastic to get the point of view of someone heading into the playoffs who will be very much involved in the League One playoffs. And now we're going to talk to someone else who's got a, an interesting perspective. Daryl Clark, the manager of Bristol Rovers, who, with the Arsene Wenger news, becomes the eighth longest-serving manager in the 92. And he has managed his Bristol Rovers team, of course, all season against every team in League One. But especially today, we want to ask him not only about Rovers' season and their summer dealings and, and looking ahead to next season, but also what he thinks about the four teams battling it out for the playoffs and what we might see in the semi-final matchups. Daryl Clark on the phone to Not The Top 20 podcast. Enjoy this one as well. It's absolutely chuffed to have a manager who we're a massive fan of here on the podcast in Daryl Clark. Uh, Daryl, just quickly looking at Bristol Rovers this season before we get stuck into the playoffs, a couple of unbelievable years and I guess in a way it's a tough league this year and, and a mid-table finish. I mean, how do you look on it or how will, will you look back on it? Yeah, it was solid. If, if not on, not spectacular, shall we say? I think uh, very important that we didn't have the the second season syndrome where we really struggled. So we was never really ever in a relegation fight, but never really threatened the top six too much. Uh, you know, and that's been we're selling one of our players again in the in in the window. One of our best players, Billy Bowden, who we sold to Preston, and uh, the year before that we lost Mike Taylor to Bristol City. So. Uh, you know, we improved the squad in January with some good additions, and, and certainly never looked in in, in doubt of uh, of going down. So it's, it's quite important for us that we stabilised and try and build on that next season. So, as a disclaimer, Daryl, I'm an Oxford fan, and, and I must say, one of your signings in the summer has worked out very, very well, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Liam Serkham. Yeah, I chased him a few times. To be honest with you, he's a, he's he's been fantastic this season. He won the Player of the Year award this year, and he's he's a great lad, great in the changing rooms. And I was delighted when, <laughs> to be fair, when Oxford uh, were, let let him go. Yeah, indeed, Daryl. Uh, I, I suppose you've touched on it there. When when you're doing so well that your best players are, are getting moves up into the league above, you're obviously happy and, and proud that it's another success story but it can it can knock you back a bit as a team I suppose especially mid-season do, do you get the feeling that over this summer you can start building a team and 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 put together a challenger for next season for the league one it, it, I mean that, that, that's all that'll always be the case while I'm manager I mean to, to get into the top six of league one we're gonna have to overachieve massively uh, that's for sure but uh, you know you you want that that's always has to be the target but what I will say is when you when you sell your best players and well, like any most clubs to be honest with you if, if you if your players are wanted by bigger clubs a lot of the time you've got to do the deal which is unfortunate because you can't get that settled period but we we pride ourselves on improving players working on players so there's always a little bit of pride when when one of your players moves on to better things but you know you're very very disappointed because you know how much it takes to to rebuild and and certainly we've got a nucleus of a of a strong squad but as soon as you start losing that real genuine quality and, and quality at the top end of the pitch i'm talking about with mike taylor and billy billy bowden it, it can be very difficult and certainly if we're going to achieve our ambition to to try and get into the championship we, we need to keep hold of our best players when we can in terms of, of, of you know possibly challenging for next season, I suppose you 
you probably won't be sad to see the back of uh, Wigan and Blackburn this season, um, who have been so good uh, for League One level. Yes. Um, thinking about the teams that might join you in, in that division, obviously you've got Luton, Accrington and, and Wickham from the league below. Um, yes. And Sunderland, Burton and Barnsley from the Championship. So how do you see the landscape of, of League One next season? I, th- I think, to be honest with you, I think the, the League One gulf to the Champions now is as big as it's ever been. So I think always with the teams coming down... It's, it's, they're always going to be favourites to bounce straight back because I think the the wage bill that comes down back into this division and the, and the players that they've they've got in this squad makes them worthy favourites. Obviously, Luton are a big club coming up. You know, you'd probably say Luton are a League One stroke Championship club in their infrastructure and 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 where so they'll be no doubt competing uh, to get out of the division and Accrington and Wickham you know the managers have done fantastic jobs there and probably probably on the other end of the spectrum where they, you know, they might be happy to survive that first year so certainly getting tougher and tougher and uh, like I say more, more so with the teams that come down you know they're always the favourites to go back a couple of years ago, Daryl, I was at Wembley for for a big day for Bristol Rovers and yourself, where, where you bounced back into into the EFL um, with with a playoff win in, in dramatic fashion. It must be said as well. I mean, how how do you approach the playoffs, uh, and how did you you know how was your experience of managing a team at Wembley and, and having that euphoric final day? I'd like to say it was a fantastic experience, but there's a lot riding on it, and you know you, you'll know with the stats that there's not many teams that bounce that non-league and bounce back straight away. I think Oxford, yeah, you know, your sport of Oxford, did they take five, six years, didn't they? Yeah, they took a, took a while, didn't they? Luton took a while. You know, Tranmere, I think this is his second or third year in there. I know they're in the playoff final. So so for for me, the relief on the day of, of doing the job, so I, I only really enjoyed it at the end. As for preparation goes, we, we, we did everything we possibly could. Went there, you know, visited the stadium beforehand. Uh, got all the tickets and all of the family issues out of the way. Got the lads suited and booted. And a lot of the time, you know, we didn't play particularly well on the day. And and certainly a little bit fortunate with a goalie coming out and not getting sent off. But uh, you, you couldn't say we didn't deserve to go because we finished second, well clear of third place. So, but as a, as a day stands, it was it was only enjoyable when Lee Mansell scored that winning penalty. That's for sure. And you, you certainly enjoyed your promotion out of League Two as well. I think we've all seen the photos of, of you aloft on, on, on yeah, the pitch. Yeah, hella facials though. By the way, yeah, good facials. That was that was such a surreal moment. I mean, to to win it in injury time. And then, then waiting on the Accrington result to come through was was just an unbelievable feeling. I mean, our fans still talk about it now. And that was a special day. So, obviously, the back-to-back promotions have put us in really good stead. And now we're trying to build. You know, we've had two solid seasons now in the League One. And we're trying to build to, to overachieve to get in that top six. Let's let's have a, a look at the teams who are gunning for promotion, Daryl. Obviously, you've, you've played against all of them twice this season and, and had sort yes. of... Mixed success, I think it's fair to say, against uh, the four playoff teams. But there's a bit of an interesting quirk before we get into the specific matchups that we've got two yeah. teams going into it with caretaker managers in charge. So, um, you know, with, with Charlton, with Lee Bowyer and Johnny Jackson in charge, and, and Scunthorpe under Nick Dawes, both of these teams made, well, had to change their manager for different reasons at a, an important stage of the season, but have have improved as a result. Do you think that's a sort of yes. new, new manager bounce? Do you think that's the sort of thing that carries into the playoffs or, or will it be a level playing field now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one really because, uh, you know, Graham Alexander's a, a very good manager. 
So as well, I don't want to take credit away from Nicky, but uh, certainly I think sometimes managers have to ride a bad run as well. And uh, certainly Graham was unfortunate in my, in my, you know, in my thought process that he lost his job. But they they, they built that momentum again, and, and obviously Lee Bowyer's got a job because uh, Carl went over to to Oxford, and, and both of them done a fantastic job to get him into the top six. It'll be interesting to see to see if they can actually get him over the line. Starting with the uh, the Shrewsbury Charlton uh, matchup, I mean two clubs in a very very different state. Shrewsbury obviously fighting for automatic promotion all season and a very together club. The same you know can't really be said between owners and fans at Charlton, but they could certainly go into the playoffs with momentum that Shrewsbury maybe don't have. I mean, what kind of a position would you rather be in? That the team that finished third or the team who who, who managed to blast their way into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you've got to be stated that what a fantastic job Paul has done at Shrewsbury. You know, I think uh, even though they finished third, they were probably with the statues of the state, status of both clubs. Like you say, Charlton have got that momentum. I think uh, Charlton begin favourites. But Shrewsbury have been proving everybody wrong all season. So, you know, and uh, Erste, known him, known him well, I love his team. You know, well up for it, well drilled. And I certainly, I don't read too much. I know everybody says you need that momentum going into the playoffs, but, you know, sometimes Shrewsbury have known for the last couple of games that they, they're in the playoffs. So they no doubt rested one or two players as well. So I think on the, on, on in semi-finals, and, and I've been in a few of those, involved in those, form goes out the window to a certain extent. And uh, certainly, I think the the first leg of Shrewsbury can get a result in the in the first leg, a positive result. I think it's all to play for, and I think uh, Shrewsbury might just edge that one. And and with you know, we talk about Paul Hurst, and uh, he's obviously got experience of, of the playoffs. That the game we've spoken about against yourselves, and then obviously coming back there the next year and beating Forest <laughs> yeah. Green. Um, I mean, is that something he'll be able to to play off and and, and work upon? Well, that's the thing. I mean, everybody talks about experience and experienced managers, but but for me, like the first team myself, now we've we've been there. We've won semi-finals, won finals. I mean, I've won three promotions through the playoffs as a, as a manager, and I think that is experience. That that is a know-how to get over the line. What needs to be said, how you need to organise it, and preparation. So. Erste comes in there a lot more experienced than Lee Bo, who, you know, who had a fantastic obviously career, playing career, played at played at the the highest level. But for me, that experience sometimes in them big games can can edge it and, and Erste's certainly got that. Just in terms of playing personnel, you've had to set your team up to play against uh, Shrewsbury and Charlton this season. Who are the sort of key players? We want the we want the listeners of the podcast to watch these playoff semi-finals and feel like they're going into it knowing you know the styles of the two teams and possibly the, the key players. Who do you yeah. have to who do you have to stop in those teams? I mean, the, 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 for me, the style of the teams. I mean, I know Lee Bowyer. Okay, we played Charlton back end of the season. They they played uh, more of a more of a front two with with wide players coming inside the pitch. So that's McGinnis and McGinnis and a Jose. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got good players. You'd certainly say Charlton's got a better squad on paper, but but for me, Shrewsbury, you know, well-drilled, 4-3-3, had massive success doing that this year. Hurstie had arrested one or two players. Nolan's a, a very key player for those, but they've got a really solid, you know, spine through the team, Shrewsbury, and they, they like I say, well-organised, well-drilled, can win on, win on a set piece as well. So uh, and normally the the playoffs can be tight affairs. So 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 for me, I think Shrewsbury will just edge it. You, you talk about Nolan, and obviously, pretty much everyone now knows how important he is 
to Shrewsbury in terms of in possession, but I know that George saw Shrewsbury against Oxford this season, was unbelievably impressed with what, with what they do out of possession, and that's the type of thing that your casual fan might not notice as much. Yeah, no, well, they've won a lot of games 1-0, and that's testament to how they defend as a team. And, uh, and certainly for me, they don't give a lot away. They haven't given a lot away in a lot of games this season. Henderson in goal's been a, been solid on loan from Man United. He's been he's been great for them. And you know, Charlton are a very expansive team, uh, possession based team with with very skillful individuals. And it'll be interesting to see on the day whether the individual individuals can can win the game or the the team ethic of what Shrewsbury are very good at. Talking about the the playing styles, how do you see the matchup between Rotherham and Scunthorpe going? Rotherham, Scunthorpe, yeah, that, that'd be. I think that's you know they're not far from each other. It's a bit of a derby game. I think uh, Rotherham we've played recently. Scunthorpe, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Rotherham have got momentum. Scunthorpe have picked up a good few results just lately. Just to get, just say, get in there, if, I, yeah. if I had to pick a, pick one out because I don't like sitting on the fence, I would go for Rotherham. I think. Uh, they're both possession-based team. Uh, they've changed, they tweaked the formation a little bit. Scunthorpe now watching their their last game uh, with Tony up top, more of a four-three-three and wide players coming inside, coming in, join it. And they've moved the boy. I forget the lad's name. Adelican. The wide player. Adelican, yeah. Wide players playing as a ten. Morris, not Morris. Oh, Dwayne Holmes. Yes, Dwayne Holmes is playing as a ten. Yeah, so they've they've tweaked their formation over the last five or six games. Rotherham have been pretty consistent. They they went on a great run through the course of the season when they changed to a to a, a different system as well with Michael Smith doing very well up front for them. And and a word on Paul Warren. He sort of came to management an interesting route, and at times last season it seemed like. He wasn't necessarily really enjoying it sometimes uh, when he was talking in the post-match interviews. But, you know, they've been brilliant to watch this season, Rotherham. And, yeah, no, he's a, he's a great lad. He's, he's a character as well. But, uh, like I said, we played him back in the season recently. He was, he was bubbly. They were, they were on a good run. He's Rotherham through and through. And I think the fans are bought, bought into that. And certainly had a tricky spell through the course of the season early in the campaign. I can remember when they came to us with being, being 2-1. You know, they was a bit down, a bit flat, their, their team. But they, then then after that, they went on a fantastic run. They've been on that run for, for a while now. And like I say, I think when somebody like uh, Warney knows knows Rotherham, knows the fans, and, and certainly he's got a good togetherness about the group as well. So, I mean, just, just a final word, because it's something Ali and I have spoken about. Back back to Bristol Rovers and yourself. Um, I mean, we're, we're a big fan of where managers are given... You know, faith from the board in terms of, of what they're doing. Obviously, you were given a long-term contract last summer. You see Danny Cowley at Lincoln being given one now. And, and you know, how important is that to you as a manager to make sure that you can do your job effectively and as you want to? Yeah, certainly. I think it, uh, I think it gives, you, gives you confidence. Uh, I think sometimes they tie you down as well because there's interest elsewhere, which is, well, which is also good as well because that gives you confidence. And I think... Uh, you know, I'm enjoying my time at Bristol Rovers. I, I love our supporters. Our supporters are fantastic. I mean, we have a real great set of fans, home and away. So that's that's one of the pulls that keeps me at, at Bristol Rovers, to be honest with you. And, and certainly they've got massive backing from, from the board and the chairman that I've got a great relationship with. But we, I want to keep driving it forward. I don't want to stand still. You know, everybody at our clubs under under pressure to make sure that happens. With the the infrastructure is very important at Bristol Rovers, we've got to get that right off the pitch. 
there's a lot of hard work going behind the scenes because we're a million miles away. You know, we've got an old school stadium and we only train on one training pitch, which is an hour's. So we're hoping to move into a new training pitch in 12 months' time. But we've got to massively keep building that because we do have a support base which has, you know, championship written all over it. But we, we're miles behind, and, and I stated before, in infrastructure, and we, we've got to get moving with that. We look forward to seeing how you get on next season, Daryl. I think I mentioned earlier that with uh, Arsene Wenger leaving, I think you're now number eight on the list of longest-serving managers in the 92. So that's, uh... that's if I don't get the bullet in the summer. <laughs> I can't see that happening. Um, great stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks and, for your time, guys. Brilliant. Good speaking to you. Right, next up on our League One playoff preview podcast, we're joined by Mike Holden. We're really thrilled that Mike's agreed to come on and, and discuss, well, discuss the, 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 the managers uh, that are involved in this playoff race, but also uh, some betting tips and thoughts as well. And Mike's always fantastic at showing his working and, and talking us through what he's thinking, as well as being an excellent punter. So, uh, Mike, in League One, there's a bit of a weird quirk in the sense that there are two teams that go into this playoff campaign with caretaker managers in charge. So I don't imagine that that is a scenario that has cropped up too many times across the history of the playoffs. But I'm sure it's something that you will have been considering when writing your preview piece for the sportsman. So, you know, just in terms of, of the two caretaker managers, that's obviously Lee Bowyer at Charlton and Nick Dawes at Scunthorpe. What have you seen from them in, in an admittedly short space of time that they've been in charge of those clubs? Yeah, I think I think with both, it's um, tactical tweaks have, have been noticeable. Um, in, in Charlton's case, Bowie has been uh, tweaking his formation in the first few matches. He seems to have settled on a 4-4-2 now. There is a big thing with Charlton fans and Carl Robinson playing 4-2-3-1 and you know players not necessarily fit in the system and I think you get to a point also where when that's talked about enough you know you wonder if the players actually buy into it a little bit themselves and it's an easy excuse uh, but either way Bowie's come in he's tinkered with formations I think that with Bowie he's also managed to get results while he's chopping and changing from game to game but then settled on a 4-4-2 towards the end of the season and um, that everybody seems to be comfortable with. Um, so they've just they've kind of hit the reset button and it's funny with Charlton because they've just not really been talked about all season. At least, you know, Scunthorpe under Alexander earlier were kind of in the top six and talked about as, you know, on a par with Rotherham and Shrewsbury perhaps. But with, with Charlton, it, it, this is, you know, it's a real big opportunity because they've probably not considered themselves top six material for much of the season. So... That, that's the big difference with them. Um, with Scunthorpe, again, it just seems to be a little tweak. Uh, taking Hopper out and moving Dwayne Holmes central um, and Adler Coon on the, uh, you know, out to the right. And it just seems to have, you know, it might only be a small thing to make a difference. Um, so they're both coming into it kind of wild cards, basically. And... I think the interesting thing is that both were assistants beforehand as well, so you know, have had you know the finger on the pulse behind the scenes. They kind of came in knowing exactly what you know, probably had some idea of what they wanted to do. Um, so they've hit the ground running. You talk about momentum, and you know they would both appear to have it in some some respects. I think the thing is with Charlton as well that they 
Um, I've been playing a lot of big games lately, a lot of six-pointers against, you know, Rotherham, Portsmouth, Scunthorpe, Plymouth. He's kind of played all of them. I think he won five out of six six-pointers. So that on that, in terms of coming up against like-minded opposition, they're in a very good position. To, you know, there's no sort of how do we approach it. it they just keep going, doing what they're doing, playing at the level they've been playing against the same kind of standard of opposition. So they should be uh, really relishing it. We just spoke to, to Johnny Jackson, who's obviously part of the management team at Charlton, and he referred to, in his mind, how important it was to, to the job they're doing, purely the fact that they're both Charlton boys. You know, Lee Bowie obviously came through the ranks there. Johnny Jackson's been there for about 50 years now. Um, do you think that is... An, an important thing just in terms of galvanising the club and, and bringing the fans and the players together? Yeah, absolutely, definitely, yeah. I think I think to understand the cultures, you know, is a, is a real head start. I think you see so many managers make mistakes early on because they just kind of don't get the way that the fans are wired or, you know, what what gets them excited and what doesn't. And, you know, uh, and and also there's a lot to be said for the, for the goodwill you get straight away, you know, the... the the pass that you get from the fans, perhaps, but yeah, I think I think it's a huge thing, yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, Bowie's managed to just literally rally everyone. I think the, he's just dragging everyone along with him. It seems he's you know he's just kind of really full of energy for it. You know, he's he's uh, just like really fast paced when he's talking and whatnot. So he's yeah, I just think it's just dragging everyone with him. Yeah, really interesting and very impressive start to his management career in this um, small snapshot that we've got. Uh, the two managers who are very much permanent, uh, Paul Warren at Rotherham and Paul Hurst at Shrewsbury. Hurst, obviously widely lauded for what has been uh, a season that took everyone by surprise at Shrewsbury. Um, I, I wonder if, if, if you could explain from your point of view what you think has made him a bit different, what you think he's, why you think he's been able to get the, the best out of this Shrewsbury team. And then Paul Warren is, is an interesting character as well. So talk to us. Sorry, mate. Just... Yeah. Well, give me, give me one sec, because there was a bit of a uh, bit of woofing there, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's OK, though. Uh, I'll, just right, say, yeah. I'll just pick up again. Um, Paul Warren is also a, a really interesting character at Rotherham, and I'm sure that you've looked at some of his post-match interview quotes over the last 18 months with uh, some an air of bemusement. So what is it about the, these two managers that, that you think will be important in the playoff scenario? Uh, well, I think they both managed to stamp their kind of own identity on the teams. I think Hurst last summer had a, a big overhaul to do. He, you know, he kept them, kept Shrewsbury up with players that you could tell he didn't fancy. You know, and there's a lot of loan signings involved in when, when they did get the results. And he's managed to get you know, a good handful of players out of the door despite quite a few of them refusing to go. So he's clearly done his work on the players he's brought in in terms of character because they've, you know, just that hard work and discipline that they've, they've had all season. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for him now that, you know, a goal goes out injured and he kind of has really upset the balance for them. Mm. And I think he's been a big player for them um, because they can't seem to get that balance right in midfield now to get the best out of Nolan. Um, but uh, with Warren, I mean Warren's Warren's a fascinating one because you know he's a former fitness coach and it seems to be kind of ingrained in his philosophy that everything he knows about strength and conditioning and that side of the game, he's going to get you know he's going to make the most of it and build a team that has got all these ingredients that you know I mean it's such a 
frenetic side to watch. They just, you know, they harry opponents so much and they move the ball so quickly. Not necessarily always with a lot of quality, but they just move it quickly and they keep the game so fast, so furious that it can be so difficult to play against when you know when they're when they're right at it. They've got very young and energetic midfield, um, and you know he's created that from scratch again. It's a big overhaul in the summer that you think right. This is a, you know for a new manager, this is a lot of, a big turnover of players, but obviously managed to shift that losing culture from last season and really sort of reap dividends. So yeah, both them fantastic. On to the bets now. Coming to the crux of it, what people have been waiting for. So we've got Rotherham of the favourites, nine to four. That is with Marathon and Betfred and a couple of others. Charlton, fourteen to five, uh, best price with Black Type. Scunthorpe, hundred to thirty, is with William Hill and Shrewsbury. Maybe surprisingly to those people just looking at the league table, are the outsiders at seven and two with Hills. Where's the money going, Mike? Uh, for me, Charlton, I think. Um... I do like the, the late interlopers, the teams that are, you know, that are not carrying virtually any baggage at all. I like the fact that they've played so many big games, six-pointers in the last few weeks, that they don't really have to change steps. You know, they, they, they're used to playing this calibre of opposition and winning these types of games, even if they're not necessarily beating the lesser opposition. Um, so I think they just come into it with a freedom and a, a big opportunity, which for a club like Charlton, which is you know probably the biggest of the of the four, if I'm not offending anyone there, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's a unique opportunity for them to, to, to approach a playoffs in this way. Um, uh, Scunthorpe, likewise, coming into it with a bit of freedom, but I think they've got the tougher semi-final. I think a local derby against the Rotherham side that will, you know, won't let up for 180 minutes over the two legs. Could, you know, I think that, that tie could go either way. But I do fancy Charlton in the other semi-final, given that the, the, you know, I think Shrewsbury have just kind of hit the buffers a little bit. They might find a solution, and, and fair play to them if they do. But I think since they since they lost the goal go to injury, since they lost at Wembley, I think they've won one in seven since Wembley, uh, and they just seem to have run out of steam at the wrong time. Um, so largely because of that, what appears to be a kind of semi-final, I'll go for Charlton. They've got some real star players as well. I think it's fair to say individual quality that Daryl Clark was alluding to when we spoke to him earlier as well. Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, Anyone listening who fancies listening or rather reading Mike's tips in written form, he's written a a number of preview pieces for the sportsman. Uh, So you must go and read those and and supplement this podcast. And also uh, we spoke to Mike about the championship and league two as well. So just find the... The, uh, the requisite podcasts uh, wherever you found this one and you can listen to uh, and, and, put, and listen to Mike's thoughts really on, on the betting in those two as well. So Johnny Jackson leads Charlton into the playoffs. He's had his say. Daryl Clark has had his as well as Mike Holden. George, you follow League One closely as an Oxford United fan. Uh, we've got Rotherham, we've got Scunthorpe, we've got Charlton and we've got Shrewsbury. Where's your money going? How, how do you approach this one in terms of analysis? In terms of analysis, I, I'm going to lean with Scunthorpe. Um, as I said on, on our last pod, I think that they've been one of the class teams in the league for, for long, long swathes of the season. and It was just a, a horrible blip um, that saw them fall away from the automatic promotion, prom, uh, promotion picture and, and, and fall behind Rotherham in the league. But I think that they're back to their best now. I think the price discrepancy 
is basically wrong. And I think that they're going to be very, very tough to beat. I, I would say, you know, Johnny's a top man. And I think that, that fans at Charlton deserve um, some some cheer and some glory. And I think that both Lee Bowyer and, uh, and, and Johnny do as well. So my head says Scunny, but, but I think my heart's with Charlton. The front six of Scunthorpe is really, really, really stacked. And all of them in form. I mean... Yates on loan from Nottingham Forest has been getting huge plaudits from Scunny fans over the last few weeks for his performances. He plays alongside Ojo, who I've mentioned loads of times on the pod, player that we really like. And in front of them, Dwayne Holmes, really industrious, Adelican, absolute X-factor, and Josh Morris, similar. Uh, and that's all behind Ivan Tony, who is surely frustrating at times, but also uh, can be a real goal-getter at this level. And I think that they will go into it really positive. I still think I'm going to go with Rotherham. Uh, Mike spoke about the way that they play and I'm always, always impressed when I see that the way that they go forward. I've definitely got some question marks about them at the back, but I just think they've got a really nice blend of styles. Um, they, they've got the big man up front in Smith, but they don't really play as if they've got a target man. Um, he's there to finish it off and, and that's both aerially and on the deck as well, but just su- such nice ball players behind him. Um, Will Volks is, is going into the playoffs in great form there, number four. Scored a cracker at the weekend, and, and I fancy him to be a threat from, from distance in the playoffs as well. But this, for me, is the hardest one to call. Uh, you're going with Scunthorpe. I'm going to take their opponents in the first leg, Rotherham. But to be honest, I haven't got huge amounts of, uh, of confidence in that pick. I, I really think this is a, a very, very tough one to call. We hope that you enjoyed listening to, to all the fine voices and insights that we've had looking at this League One playoff picture in, uh, in, yeah, in Skybet League One. And make sure that you're following us on Twitter at NTT20Pod. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to us so that you've got more of this in your ears when necessary. And uh, enjoy the League One playoff race. We'll be talking about it over the next few weeks. So make sure you're listening.